Did you give up too soon to shoot for the moon? No one left to talk to. Gather your things, ditch those rings, run away. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the We Are All Here podcast. Um, I'm your host, Adam Gelardo. And uh, I just want to thank, that was my friend Ben Shedd. Um, that was his song, Run Away Tonight. Um, thanks for the intro, Ben. Um, and uh, I just want to welcome everybody to, um, this is podcast number one with my friend Peter Lakes, who is also a uh, songwriter, teacher, performer. Um, and uh, we had a great conversation, really good time. Um, I'm looking back about three months ago when we recorded this, which was um, in the middle of the whole, uh, well, still we still are, but it was in the middle of a lot of the pandemic fear and intensity around the political situation that was going on here in the U.S. Um, but we did manage to have a really great conversation about uh, what it takes to, to write a song, uh, the creative process, um, and also um, just touch in about you know the current events. So it was a, it was a great time. Um, so uh, I also want to. I'm not quite sure how to do this, but I want to introduce the podcast since this is episode number one. Um, this is going to be a podcast um, that is going to be a an interview show. Um, it's going to be really. That's uh, just interviewing all kinds of different people, uh, following my interests. So wherever, whatever I find interesting, whatever I find uh, compelling or engaging, um, I really just want to put that on the show. Um, so far, I've done. Um, looking back, I've done about six episodes, uh, six or seven episodes. And uh, when I started doing this, it was uh, literally when I switched on the mic um, and began the podcast. That was the first time I'd ever, um, you know, recorded myself on a on a microphone in a serious way. So, uh, I think I think it's going to be a little bit about uh, how to make a podcast and me learning how to do that, and me learning what sounds good. Um, I want to. I also like will randomly throw in music, uh, and it may or may not. I'm just going to kind of work out what sounds good, what makes sense. For what I want to do. Uh, also, um, yeah, I mean, as as the name implies, that we are all here podcast. I would like it to be uh, about pretty much all kinds of people. So definitely non celebrities, maybe a few celebrities sprinkled in there. We'll see what happens. We'll see where we go with this. Um, and it's also going to be. It also has been really, really great really fun and surprisingly good quality as far as I'm concerned. Um, you can judge for yourself, but I've been, uh, I'm really excited about the podcast and what this means. It's something I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, it's something I really enjoy. Um, I love uh, being able to take the time with somebody, sit down, put on the headphones and go into kind of like podcast land inside of the as we were recording this, where it's a it's a kind of focusing into into the moment and really um, being curious and 
and uh, which is something I, I mean it's a cliche at this point a podcasting cliche that uh, this allows a kind of break from um, the natural uh, the kind of speed of media these days and a podcast is more long form and this is what I've, I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed doing this um, um, being able to like really slow down So, um, and on a personal note, um, I mean, I want to say that this is, this is pretty terrifying for me to do this. Uh, it's one thing to speak in front of, uh, speak to a person and be recorded. And, uh, now I'm speaking to an audience and, um, this is, I think this is my second run of this intro and it's really about, uh, yeah, who am I speaking to? Uh, my mind can really run away with itself if I want to. If I want to think about that too much, you know, am I speaking to everyone? Uh, am I speaking to you know who is my audience? Uh, so that's a little bit of a interesting thought here. And uh, I guess I'm using this as a medium um, to just uh, for my own creative process. Like creating this podcast feels feels definitely like creating something, making something, um, an artistic venture, uh, which is which is new to me. Yeah, it's pretty new to me. So I'm I'm a little bit of a newbie here, um, and uh, I think I think that's going to be just part of part of the whole whole process of of, of making this is uh, like learning how to do that better. Uh, so um, I want to thank you for listening and um, I really enjoy this one I, I definitely did and um, I will see you uh, I will see you later okay Welcome to the We Are All We Are All Here podcast. I'm your host Adam Gelardo. Uh, it's good to have you here. Um, today we have a, uh, a very special guest. His name is Peter Lakes. He's the choral director of the Plain Edge High School. A musician, singer, and songwriter um, of, of some renown. Uh, so, uh, Pete, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Pretty good. Happy to be here. Yeah, so the first thing I thought of when uh, having you on the podcast was, was I had a question, um, because, and I thought you might be easily to ask this question. How do you, how do you write a song? How is a song written? Well, <clears throat> it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. And it isn't the same every time. Mm. In an ideal situation, a song comes quickly and easily. Mm. You know? Sometimes that happens usually when you're unhappy or when things yes, are hard. Yes, yes. <clears throat> I guess I've kind of hoped that uh, through this whole COVID time that 
I would be able to write even more songs, but unfortunately, mm. I've only been able to get one out. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <clears throat> so, tell, uh, so tell me about what you mean by when times are hard. Does that mean when you have an emotion to express? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and you, usually a, a, a pained emotion. Pain. Yeah. Pain. So there's a long link in history between pain and art or suffering in art. There is. There is. There is. I imagine, uh, I mean, many people seem to feel that the 60s was a great time for, for music. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of pain and sadness. Yes. That existed in in that space, mm. um, like when uh, when my wife Alyssa had had uh, breast cancer a few years ago, I, I definitely turned out mm. a bunch of music in a in a short period of time for me. Mm. Um, and how did it feel to? I mean, getting back to the songwriting question. Um, so an essential part of that is having something to express mm. to write a song. And then you're telling me, um, but how does one translate that? Does it, does it take a, a kind of mastery of, I mean, in order to write a song, does it take some type of musical mastery or some type of training discipline mm-hmm. in order to put that into, to mm-hmm. really put that to work or, um, yeah. Can anyone who plays an instrument can really like create something good? I, I think that the answer to that last question is yeah. yes, anybody yeah. can. Yeah. Um, I do want to make a distinction in that with songwriting, you know, you've got the 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 lyric side uh-huh. of it, and then you have the music side of it. Uh-huh. And uh, for me, the hardest part is the lyric side of it. Uh. So... It can be a little tough for me to describe a songwriting process because that one roadblock for me is always the harder part. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's well known that Elton John, for instance, yes. has never written any of the lyrics to his own songs. Right. And I'm sure that it has helped make him extremely prolific over the years because right. he hasn't had to deal with that part of it. Right. But he's taking uh, the music ex- itself without the, without the lyrics. Yeah delivers the the emotional yes, undertone absolutely. of the song right so absolutely it's almost like such a an amazing thing to be able to do it's a non-verbal yeah direct transference of so of, i of, of i would emotion i would argue that that the lyrics are secondary yeah absolutely absolutely um so when we talk about songwriting here i guess i just have to make it clear that the lyrics are <laughs> oh you know, it's funny when I was talking, when I was thinking about songwriting, I was thinking about not lyrics. Uh huh. But how th- could you have a song without lyrics? Well, I figured that like that that that's probably well. Eventually, you could have lyrics. Yeah. But how do you create a melody? Uh-huh. How do you create? How do you take the emotional tone that you feel in your body, yeah, uh, in your heart, and then transfer that to through a, a an instrument? Yeah. You know, is it is it really a is, is there a highly intellectual part of this or is it really like you know the instrument and it can play through you in, into through the instrument yeah and it just it's like the song itself the melody the feeling of the song the cohesiveness mm. it, it's a whole thing that comes out of you through the machine it's it's not necessarily to me yeah uh, 
you don't go, you don't just sit down and write notes on a piece of paper. No. Like, like, like you just have, you know, you're like, oh, here's a note and here's the flag. And then you're just writing notes and, oh, I got a song. Now I'm going to go to my, unless you're like Mozart or something, yeah. you know, I, I can't imagine that that's how it would happen, but maybe that's how it happens. It's for some people, you know? Yeah. I would say for me personally, anytime I've created a melody, mm -hmm. it is not through an instrument other than my voice. Mm. I I don't really feel like I can sit down at a at a keyboard and I don't, I don't want to create a melody with my fingers. I want to oh, I want to create a melody that is is coming uh, organically through my body. Uh huh. And I don't I don't necessarily feel that through my fingers as a uh -huh, pianist. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I do feel that through my voice. Kind of like how. Uh, so your voice is like your primary instrument. Especially for songwriting. Songwriting, yeah. Which okay. I, I, I guess is a little redundant in a sense because, uh, you know, songs are sung. Yeah. Um, but you can hum, you can, right? Yes, yeah. Whistle, you can. Yeah. Like if you listen to early demo recordings of, uh, of Phil Collins, for uh -huh, instance, uh -huh. he wrote his songs without lyrics but melodies with his voice. So early demos, you know, you, you'll hear, for instance, uh, oh. what's, a, what's a famous Phil Collins song? Um, in the Air Tonight. In the Air Tonight. You know, so the, so the demo is, you know, and then, and then in the next demo, I can feel it. Like he starts to piece in the lyrics into uh, the melody. Yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds so organic. Yeah, because the, the the lyrics are coming out of yeah uh, one by one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that that happens for me too. Although I think the lyrics come a little sooner in the process, so they kind of happen concurrently mm. with the melodic creation. Mm. I've noticed, um, not to go tangential, but I've, you know, I've heard people write songs and then the lyrics sound like they're like lyrics they took from other songs and then glued together for their song. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there's other songs I hear where it just sounds like they're intertwined and there's something obviously. So I think that's just the difference between art and yeah, it may be in amateurism. Yeah. But, um, you know, cliche has got to be something that's difficult to difficult to stay away from when you're writing a song. I can yeah, imagine. sure, it is. Right, it is. There's only twelve notes, mm -hmm. and I guess there's still a, an incredible n amount of combinations that uh -huh. you can make those twelve notes work. But <clears throat> cliche is all over the place, right? And that's got to be in the back of your mind mm -hmm. constantly. Like every song you've listened to, you know, your your um, especially the the ones you love the most. Has to have to be there with you, yeah. Right when you're doing that, yeah. But you like what you like, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, when I was younger, <clears throat> I sometimes would feel shame for the music I liked because other people didn't like it. Yeah. You mean you're you're a step out of your generation in terms of what most people at your age were listening to? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 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 And uh, so you mentioned you mentioned Ellen John. Yeah. Yeah. So when kids, uh, so uh, we're the same age. Mm. So when I was in high school, 
you know, I was listening to grunge music, yeah. uh, rock music, yeah. uh, punk music, um, things that expressed, you know, the anger and angst of, of youth. Yeah. Um, what were you listening to? I was listening to a lot of keyboardists, so uh -huh. you know, Elton John, Bruce yeah. Hornsby, uh -huh. Billy Joel. I never liked him as much uh -huh. as Elton John, but yeah, but I do. But Billy Joel writes his own lyrics, and yeah. and he's an incredible storyteller in his songs, uh -huh. and his melodies are amazing. You know, uh -huh. um, I think that I was heavily influenced by what my dad was listening to, uh -huh. but I'm glad that that's the route I went. Mm. You know, one thing one thing I do with my students in school uh, pretty regularly is we turn the lights off in class and listen to music. Uh -huh. Turn it off. So that way, that sense of, of uh, possible shame about liking something mm -hmm. and somebody else might notice that I like oh, it. Oh, okay. Or not liking something and... Somebody else feels like they have to join me in not liking it. Uh -huh. um, you know, being able to just experience music with your ears is is a skill that yeah. that in today's world is is less practiced than ever. You know? Well, I mean, because you would have to only focus on what you're listening to. Yeah, you couldn't do anything else. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do when you have a family or it's hard always, to do. there's always something else. But I think it was less hard to do a generation or two ago. Yeah. When when music when 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 entertainment could be just an oral thing. Mm -hmm. Also, um pre internet, yeah. Things were a little uh media, I don't know, it's something interesting how to describe to people who lived before the, the internet revolution mm -hmm. is that media was a little bit more special because it was harder to come by. Right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to listen to something, you had to have a, a, a physical copy of it or you yeah. listened to it over the radio yeah. and it wasn't, you couldn't press a button and something popped up. You know, yeah. you often listened to whatever was, was playing because that's what you, that's what was there. You know, if you listen to a rock station, you listen to whatever song they were playing. Mm -hmm. they didn't, you didn't mm -hmm. get to choose. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's something special, and then the specialness kind of required a little bit more, I would say, reverence for the time, you know, that you had it, or appreciation. Yeah. And then you took the time. Sure. You know? Well, look at today. I mean, <clears throat> most most people have a Spotify account or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but you don't have to pay for that, for a Spotify account. Right. There's the, the free... Now it's worthless, though. It's worth less. It's worth less. It's free. It's free. You know, imagine if. Uh, yeah, imagine if food was free. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you had a river that flowed by your house that was full of champagne. You would just think champagne was stupid. <laughs> you wouldn't care about it. <laughs> yeah. So I I I I, I worry about about how free translates into a society's value of uh -huh. something. Yeah. Um, radio was free, but you also weren't, there was no choice in it. I mean, you, right. you listened to what was fed to you. Now, um, so with this meat, what you're saying though, is that music is really important to you in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And it has been very important. It, is, it still yeah. is. Yeah. Um, 
And um, there's something slightly envy, like I feel a, a feeling of slight envy around that. It's so it, it's amazing that you have this like amazing thing in your life. Mm-hmm. And so it's been that that's like wow, that's that's quite that's quite great. Not many people are masters of a certain art or not artists, right? Um, we we're workers. Or we are technicians, yeah. or professionals. Yeah. But you know, an artist is somebody who kind of stands outside the fray and uh, who can express themselves through their work, right? Yeah. So um, that's satisfying. Well, that sounds satisfying. You know, why do Why do people like movies? They like movies because they make them feel a certain way. Yeah. Feel something, a thrill. Yeah. Or they relate to it. Mm. And and I think that that music runs the risk of of people forgetting that music can do that for you. Yeah, it's it to me. It's like a, uh, whatever emotion the songwriter puts into the song is what kind of resonates in the listener. Yeah, sure. Right? Obviously, and uh, so obviously, so what I'm thinking about you were in high school and you were resonating with Elton John. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you were resonating with Billy Joel, mm-hmm. Mark Hornsby. So there was there was a there was a vibe that was there, that was more that was you were that suited you that yeah, you resonated yeah. with. It wasn't just because uh, random chance. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was the kind of person you were. Yeah, and I will say, my yeah. dad did not like Elton John uh-huh. as a, when I was young. He had no interest in him. At Interesting. All. Um, but your father was interested in music. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a. Uh, he went to college for, as for a music teacher. Uh-huh. He got his degree as a music teacher, and uh-huh. but just uh, felt that it wasn't. It wasn't for him. It wasn't for him. Yeah. Um, does he play an instrument? He played trumpet. Yeah. But he hasn't touched it in a long time. Okay. Yeah. So for him. Um, Oh, so as a performer, as a songwriter, that's that's not he hasn't explored that personally, but he he liked it. He wanted to teach it. Yeah, he, when I was young, my dad did write some of my lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, he and he's good at it. Ah, he's good at it. And, interesting. And he he knew that I struggled with pumping out lyrics as quickly as I could pump out a song. The uh-huh. music side of it, and uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. it. it I loved writing songs to his lyrics. It, it interesting. It's interesting how much like Elton, um, Elton John you are. Well, I guess. I guess. I well, you have you have that, that same that, that you have this ability to write music. Yeah. And then yeah. Have almost like the lyrics aren't as important to you. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, so if you're ever going to be a, a professional, you just you would just need a partner, a songwriter. Yeah, partner yeah. To yeah. really make things happen. I mean, there's there's songs that I've listened to my whole life that. I don't even know if I could uh, repeat half the lyrics of the songs. Like I don't listen to lyrics. Yes, yes. Neither I. I never have either. Like I've I have songs that I've loved for years. Yeah. And I never really cared to know what what the lyrics were. Like you know I know the lyrics of YMCA because you have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like nobody exactly. nobody says. Uh, Oh, yeah. what is it? You know, like <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a four-year-old can also know the lyrics. Exactly, song, so. exactly. Yeah. So, and I love hearing, like, you know, my son is four, and I I love hearing him sing songs that he's learning. Uh huh. Because he usually gets like a word here or there. Yeah. Um. 
and it and it just shows that he feels the song, loves the song, uh-huh. the song moves him, but he doesn't know the words. Uh-huh. You don't need to. Sorry, lyricists out there. You know, yeah. I, just, I, I don't devalue uh, yeah. the, what the lyrics contribute, but yeah. Well, you know, I also. Um, I think there's also a way that some of the music I was listening to at the, you know, when I was younger, the lyrics were so like opaque, mm. you know, a lot of the rock lyrics, you know, you look at some of these grunge, some grunge music, you listen uh, some to some of them are terrible. And, and like, I mean, <laughs> sorry, Nirvana, but you know, it just seems like, Oh, okay. Like I, I, I kind of don't know what you're talking about. I, I have no way of knowing what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just too, it's too abstract. And maybe well, I just don't understand, but. And also if, if you listen to, so many recordings so many it's even hard to understand the lyrics yeah exactly right exactly so the the artists to some extent and the producers are conveying the message ah, yeah the lyrics are it's not that important that you understand what you're oh, singing you know? true like how many songs do you actually can you actually make out the lyrics yeah you yeah have to, you're gonna have to pay close attention yeah um but you know in a lot of some songs it's like there's always like a couple key words yes. that kind of seem to summarize the whole song, yeah. right? Yeah. They have a they have a kind of flavor. Yeah. And uh, I think I know for myself, I just they represent the song for me, mm-hmm. and I don't have to go any deeper. Um, maybe it's in the chorus. Maybe it's just a, a, an attitude that comes through the lyrics, not necessarily the. the, the and then there's a way, the way you can project your own meaning onto the lyrics yeah. if you don't read them all either. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Which that's what I did. That's what I do. I will say this in response to a question you asked near near the beginning uh, <clears throat> about the songwriting process. Yeah, yeah. One area where I do feel, at least for me personally, that the lyrics are important is mm-hmm. that a good melody has to reflect the rhythm of the lyric. Mm. So, or vice versa. I assume it could for some. It doesn't for me. Like the 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 lyric drives the the rhythmic pace of the melody. Mm. Mm. So, I know, I'm trying to think of a song. You know, only something terribly cheesy is coming up. You know. You, uh, yeah. you, th- you think of the word. You know. Can you feel the love tonight? Yes. Like the way you say, can you feel the love tonight? Is is the way that it's sung. The melody, mm-hmm. the melody reflects the way we would speak it. Mm. And I think that there is an art, there is a skill mm. and an art there. Mm. And there are sometimes like uh, you you mentioned some grunge music from the '90s where I feel like. The melody and the lyrics were sometimes forced together. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's kind of like this. Can you feel? Yeah, the love tonight. Like like it's not it's not conveying the message. The melody can help enhance mm. the the message of the lyric. Mm. I, I'm a very melodically driven uh, listener. Mm. I don't like it when uh, when pieces don't have a. A melody that I can, that I can hold on to, mm, mm, mm. which is probably why I, I struggle with jazz. You know, it's it lacks. Uh, Does jazz? I mean, like a lot of jazz doesn't have melody. 
Right. Some does, but I think they spend more time on the non-melody. Right. You know, they they may give you a little taste and then uh, yeah, and then it's it's shatter the, it. You know, it's the kind of just like the framework for for improvisation. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And all that. Yeah. Um, noodling. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't just seem like a lot of jazz is. Um, you know, it's got a little bit too much of showing off in it for me to like be fully interested. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like showing off a of virtuosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of like look how amazing I am playing the instrument. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you know that can be that. It, that I feel like that has a, a shelf life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in terms of for me, for me personally, like, yeah. well, you know, I um, I don't know how much I can watch or listen to somebody showing off. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little old, but um, does classical do that for you too? Sometimes some classical does. Some classical, I feel like, and I'm not sure why this is. You know, um, I'll listen to classical music and I'll hear the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my entire life, and I'll say, "Oh my God, where did the song come from? It must have come out of, you know, I don't know, out of you know, pure creation." Yeah. And then uh, some classical music is just—it's so busy, it's yeah. so irritating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the pace is so fast. Yeah. Is it is is it designed to make me anxious? Uh-huh. That's my question. Uh huh. Um, and it just seems to be like a lot of notes and virtuosity. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the wrong word, but it's just like the you know the mastery of the instrument, the mastery of jamming things full of notes. But yeah, um, I'm I'm a complete. Um, I've I don't have any. M- musical education or or formal knowledge of music yeah, sure. theory so that's um, what's your take on that well <clears throat> i don't like to drive to classical music and and i know a lot of people who do yeah yeah i know yeah it uh it it, it classical music doesn't seem like it's meant to be a at least not for me, a, a, a passive experience. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to listen to classical, I should be listening to classical. Uh-huh. But when I'm driving, I, 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 I agree with you on it doesn't make me feel relaxed. Uh-huh. Because there is such a... There just seems to be an innate intensity. Intensity, yeah. And jazz, I think, shares some of that uh-huh. sometimes. Yes, 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 yes. I... I know exactly what you mean. Now, one could say, what are you talking about? Grunge music from the 90s has plenty of intensity. Mm-hmm. But they're usually not 45-minute pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, intensity is just means, like, strength of emotion to me, right? So mm. it's, it's, the, it's like the volume. Um, mm. like grunge music, what, what, what is the, what is, you know, I don't know how to generalize completely, but what's the underlying emotion of grunge music? You know, there's some anger, there's depression, sadness. Um, you wouldn't generally call grunge music joyful, right? No. Right? I, uh, some classical music, I would say, can be intensely joyful. Sure. Um, so it's like a different spectrum yeah. of the emotional yeah. landscape. Um, so, but sometimes I feel like uh, classical music can also be intensely, and jazz, intensely anxious. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now you know I, I don't. I, I, you know after a, after a day's worth of work, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer not to come home. Mm-hmm. You know, kick back with a 
I drink and listen and get anxious. Yeah. You know. Um, I think that's why uh, some of the <clears throat> some of the commercial success of you know classical for easy listening. Mm -hmm. You know the the mm -hmm. compilations that have kind of appealed more to the masses uh, over the decades. Yeah. Help people avoid that that feeling, that intensity where it's too much, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, a majority of people really struggle with with classical music, mm. um, because it, it's it's a lot to process. Mm. Well, I guess my my only my question was, I wonder, because this was at once classical music was popular music. Yeah. For let's say the upper classes yeah right so popular music for the upper classes and this was music that they went to go see mm -hmm. if you want to listen to it so they had to yes. dress up yes and go to a you know a big auditorium and sit down and listen to this and pay, yeah. pay good money right so yeah, this yeah, was yeah. like um so when i th when the first thing that popped into my head was i don't like to go i don't like to drive while listening to classical music and i was like oh how bizarre uh because that's, that's not that, that's about as far from the intention yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of the music as can cook because it didn't even exist and also a lot of classical music came out of a necessi necessity from the church it's very devotional yeah right a lot of a lot of music is was commissioned by the church right yeah and it's religious I mean, in nature you, know, you look at at Bach I mean yeah like amazing mind uh-huh but was totally under the pressure of turning out these works oh. out of a need to for the Sunday's mass and and like oh, I so I think I think sometimes the intensity of, of baroque music is the artist's intensity of oh my god I need to mm. I need to compose this I mean, he also to make to, a living, and he had to compose it for people, for people that he was getting paid. Mm -hmm. So, it they had to like it. Yeah. So I can imagine, you know, here's a great mind, a great artist, and he's he's writing songs for a bunch yeah. of conservative, stiff <laughs> folks and rules. You know, uh, exactly rules. Like, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Uh, well, an, an interval in music is the distance between two notes. Uh huh. And uh, like a, a more well-known interval is an octave. You uh -huh. know, when you go from a C to a C on a on a piano. I see. You know, the first note of the major scale to the top note of the major scale. They're both the same pitch, an octave away. Yes. Well, for a, a, an extended period of time, the the church had banned an interval. And it, 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 it's, it, it's called a tritone, uh -huh. um, but the, the church gave it the name of the devil's tone. So when you say an interval, does this mean a number of notes? Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, if, if you look at it and say we have 12 notes yes. to pick from. Yes. And if you measure the distance from note number one to note number two, that's yes. an interval. Note number one to three is an uh -huh. interval. One to four is an interval. Each one of these, in this case, being a, a half step or a fret on a guitar. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. The interval of a, of a, of a tritone 
is it happens to be the midpoint of the scale. Um, if you were to cut the scale, and it's the midpoint, uh-huh. and it's a it's a more grating interval. It's it's a from West Side Story. If you've heard uh, Maria, the, that yeah, first yeah. that first awkward jump is is the uh-huh. tritone, and uh, you know the, the the church put this. You know, don't bring the devil into our space by using that oh. that interval. And uh, it's just kind of interesting to to also know that composers were under restrictions. Oh, okay. So not just stylistically, but like technical restrictions mm. in terms of what notes they could choose. Yeah, I see. No, no, just a. What do you uh, What do you think of Mozart? He's he's a bitch to play on the piano. I uh-huh. I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> My piano teachers always had me doing Mozart. You know, it's funny. It's it's hard to play delicately. Uh, Mo- I see. Mozart is delicate. It's a lot easier to to just lay into the piano. At least for me. I mean, there's plenty that that. Play. So it t- so it takes a, a level of sensitivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because Mozart's music, at least excluding some of the some of the later stuff from him, uh-huh. his music tends to be very, very pure, uh-huh. very clean. Mm. And the in order to convey emotion from something that is very pure and clean means that your level of nuance needs to be really, uh-huh. really on top of your game. Excuse me. Um, hard to play, hard to play. Mm. I mean, I, for me, it, it always had a special quality mm-hmm. that I, I can't put my finger on. Mm-hmm. But maybe I think you said it best, pure and clean. Yeah. He didn't just throw as much as he could on the page. No doubt about that. Right. right. But at the time, wasn't he known for having excessive notes? Or too many notes. Not to say that he didn't try to have his uh-huh. virtuosity moments in, uh-huh. in his music. Uh-huh. Um, but if, like, you look at Bach before him, uh-huh. you know, there's so many notes, so many notes, and and moving the tonal centers around all the time, mm. and and just technic really. In some ways, Baroque was is is kind of like the jazz. You know, they wanted to really exercise the the theoretical mm, I see. elements to it. So it's very technical, intellectual. So, yeah, intellectual. So in the classical period with Mozart, you know, he kind of scaled it down a little bit, brought it, simplified it yeah. a little bit. I mean, Mozart to me is not. It doesn't seem intellectual. Mm-hmm. It doesn't push that button. It push. It has. It has a. Um, yeah. But that's the beauty about about music, and I guess other you know many things in our in our cultures uh-huh. that music is is frequently a response to other music. Mm. You know, we had <clears throat> you and I were talking uh, yesterday about how uh, you know Van Halen in the eighties mm-hmm. you know created a many clones of bands that wanted to be like Van Halen. Right, right. And why was not, is the 90s the grunge of the 90s? Well, right. because 
music was saying enough of this already. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and uh, you yeah. know when Beethoven came after Mozart, Beethoven was like enough of this already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's time to it's time yeah. to to raise the roof again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so culture seems to go in these phases of of rejecting the thing that was behind them mm-hmm. and just but it's important to to say that the music we're talking about here in terms of classical stuff was not necessarily you said the upper crust would go to performances and see Oh really? We, and but there was other music, there was folk, there was right, the music right, right, of the right. people. Right, right. And that's where the songwriting was. Oh, okay. You, you know, that's where oh. that's where song song Mm. was with the people interesting um elaborate that's that's quite interesting i'm just i'm really just thinking about that now well it's kind of like today i mean how many musicians in mainstream music are trained right or yeah how many how many how many great popular uh uh, musicians went to the berkeley school of music yeah you know, Jimi Hendrix didn't read music. Yeah. Phil Collins didn't read music. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Did Green Day read music? Well, what's interesting is we're still, we're talking about the 90s almost right here, right? Yeah. Now, if we talked about the 2020, yeah. 2020, mm. the state of, of songwriting yeah. is, is, quite, is quite a bit different than it was 20 years ago, um, 30 years ago. Um, because it seems like, you know, I mean, you know, just going on YouTube, you hear about the one guy who's written every song uh, for every pop singer yeah, in the last, yeah, yeah. you know, 10 I know, years. I know, And they all have a very similar melody. They have the same chord progression. Yes, yes. Same, like, literally. And it just seems to push a button for people. Yeah. And um, yeah. the next new song comes out, it's the same. It's just a new combination of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so in a way, to me, it seems like with with free music or cheap music, we're getting even cheaper music. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have to be willing to to look for the yeah for the the stuff that isn't mainstream. Uh-huh. And I think that years from now we will recognize you know the, some of that stuff will will last. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, Ariana Grande, she's got a beautiful voice, no uh-huh, doubt about it, great uh-huh. singer. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that her name is probably in the list of five people who wrote every song on her album, you know. Yeah. Five people wrote this song. Yeah. And, you know, she, I mean, it's nothing new that uh, a record company, or a, not a record company, but a media company, mm-hmm. will find a star, a young starlet who can sing and look the part. They have songwriters, they have a band, they have yeah. a tour manager, and she's an employee of the Yeah. And she's an employee of, of the media company. Yeah. You know. I mean this, yeah. this was happening in the sixties. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. you were creating groups. Sure. Let's put some people together and create a group and, and, and make money. But now it seems to be the mainstream is Yeah. Overwhelmingly just controlled by media companies who are producing music, producing content. It, it, this is where I feel the music industry has gone wrong for such a long uh-huh. time. I mean Sure, if we're going to watch movies, mm-hmm. are beautiful people going to be on the screen? Yeah, probably. Uh-huh. Right? Because yeah. we're going to be seeing them. Yeah. Do we really need to see beautiful people 
performing the music that we listen to. Mm. So, like, uh, look at, we mentioned the 60s. Uh, look at Janis Joplin. Yeah. Um, very short career. Mm-hmm. Very short. You know, in, in 1967, 68, she was trying to break out as a solo artist, couldn't. Mm-hmm. It was probably a lot harder for a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, formed a band. You know, the, her career lasted three years. She right. died in 71. But I, I bring her up because, uh, you know, in, in high school, she uh, she liked to wear, like, men's shirts and, uh, and mm-hmm. tights. And and uh, her, her nickname in high school was The Pig. Nice. That's very... Um, that's very... She went to the University of Texas. Uh-huh. And she was voted the ugliest man on campus. How, how, how pleasant. And, like... She's a musician, you know. We don't, mm. we don't, we don't hear her music through our eyes. Um, well, okay. <laughs> so in 1967, that that was true. Yeah. And so in 2020, a musician is not just a musician. They have music videos. They're mm-hmm. on Instagram. They're mm-hmm. on, they're you know they're constantly playing the part of the of the celebrity. Yeah. You know what it what is what is a singer now without celebrity? Yeah. Do, do you know of anybody who's a great singer who that any, anyone even knows about? I mean, if no one knows about them, that's possible. But as soon as you get to, you get known, yeah, you yeah. become a celebrity. And sure. You have to look like one. Sure. And it sells it sells records. Yeah. There are how um, yeah, just Yeah, unfortunately, uh unfortunately music has been influenced by the the the, the social needs for sex appeal. Yes. And, and uh, it's too bad because uh, music can be any, you know, you, you don't have to look the part in order right. to sound the part. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, and going back to songwriting, if a song really is a direct communication of, of, of emotion, uh, you know, we have we have a broad range to choose from, mm-hmm. and so if it's just limited to sex appeal and you know the downloads, um, you know that just seems rather limiting. Yeah. If you're a real artist, yeah. If you're an artist and you want to you want to create something, um, so maybe now it's just the time when it's 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 become as corrupt as it as it has ever been. You know. At least where the money is, yeah. Yeah, I think the so. Money is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it doesn't mean there's there aren't people out there doing art. It just means the uh, the landscape is just it's just not as accommodating for for different kinds of people. Yeah, you would think you would think it would be different with with the internet where you can get everything. Yes, that's something somehow. Um, and that's the irony of the inter- internet, yeah, where, it where it's a, you have access to everything, and there can be infinite amounts of diversity, yet everything seems to be getting the same. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, I think it cuts both ways. Uh-huh. I mean, ultimately, I think that for more musicians, the the internet has at least given them a. a a chance of getting their music out easily yeah. mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. put it out there. Mm-hmm. But it also means that there's a lot more out there and, 
and it's harder to find. Harder to find. Like, yeah. like, I mean, I've written a whole bunch of stuff over the years, and I've never actually taken the step of, of trying to put it out there. Mm. So, with that in mind, um, we would like to, uh, I'd like to listen to one of your songs. All right. New song right. of yours that, um, uh, maybe you could just listen to it, and then Let's, you could just, you could tell us a little bit about sure, um, sure. the creation of the song. Sure. Um, and, you know, what it, what, what it meant to you. Um here we go. It's called Free to Be. Free to Be by Peter Lakes. I can't understand why so much in this crazy time Seems wrong Feels right It doesn't give a damn If you're black or white We've got to be ready It's ready Is on us Freedom always comes Freedom always leads Freedom is the story of the Back and forth Is callous in its human worth Seems wrong Feels right It doesn't give a damn If you're black or white We've got to be ready It's ready Is on us Freedom always talks Freedom always leads
great song. Yeah, thank Very you. cool. Thank Very you. Cool. Thank you. It's the second time I've listened to that song, and uh, I, I, yeah, I, uh, it's, it, I like it better actually the second time. You can, you might be able to see my uh, my shortcomings as a lyricist because the I tend to use the technique of bringing back lyrics. Ah, uh, yes. Know, like like my verse is just sort of a partially new verse. You know, mm-hmm. I use the, the pre-chorus to, mm-hmm. to buy myself mm-hmm. some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I kind of feel um, it, it has a quality of of of. It seems to be really talking about what's happening these you know these days yeah and uh, typically i don't write and usually i write more personal mm-hmm. lyrics that i feel personal to me as opposed to bigger statements of yeah what's going on around us but i just kind of that's just where it went and it still seems very personal about your reaction to it that's mm-hmm. that, that's, that comes through too yeah so is, is uh, does it does does the song feel political to you it has um it, for some reason, it has a quality of communicating just like the feeling of politics. Uh huh. A feeling of the, yeah. Like as a teacher, uh, I've been uh, you know over the years, occasionally I'll share a song I've written with my students, and, yeah. and I've been hesitant to share this one because I mm. I don't know if it's going to uh, if it's going to piss off one side or the other in this divisive time that we're in right now. Yeah, um, you know, um, I think songs about politics are difficult to do. Yeah, or anything about politics or, or current events, because it can come easily. You can fall on one side or the other. Yeah, like depending on which way you lean, you lean ideologically. But does this song do that? I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. Mm. But I know, I know that I can, I can see the struggle. Yeah, because um, it, it, there's something. Uh, you know, a good song about a good song about politics or, or a current event would just really kind of encompass the whole situation and mm-hmm. kind of see it as a whole. Yeah. You know, instead of being ideological. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the play, that's the that's that's where you can fall in easily. Um, um, but what does it mean to you, actually? You know, what did that song mean to you? What did you want to What did you want to communicate? I just want to say that there's there's a part in the verse mm-hmm. that most would never even recognize that's happening. There's a part in the verse where the the melody is purposefully singing a note that conflicts with the chord that's below it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's sort of a, a, a literal moment of what I'm trying to convey, which is that mm-hmm. I feel like what we're doing... Mm-hmm. And how we want to be living, mm. or our values for humanity, mm. and how our actions for humanity seem to be in great conflict with one another. Mm. Mm. Or even why, why, how it's amazing how humanity struggles to just work together. <laughs> So there's something discordant in, in, yes. in, in modern life. Yeah, yeah. And, and your song expresses that. And it expresses it in that moment of that chord with the vocals that don't agree with it. And it also expresses itself in that the verse and the chorus don't necessarily feel like they even go together. Mm. You know, that whole, dun, 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 you know, that like cheesy piano thing. But then this yeah. this big wall of sound chorus that yes. that yeah. is, is sort of... Um, 
pumping away with an, with a mm. with an intention. It does yeah. And then this very lackadaisical verse that comes up, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I and I do. It's fairly explicit in the in the lyrics about you know it doesn't care if you're black or white like yeah. that. That obviously is a message that that I, I that I want to convey there, and it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't just apply to the virus. It just uh-huh. like why does it matter at all? You know yes, whether yes. you're black, white, whether you have green hair, whether you know why does it matter? Because it seems to matter in in, in society. You know. I know. So I, I, if there's anything that saddens me about the the generic music that we mm. were talking about a moment ago, is that generic music doesn't speak to any of the issues, right? You know, I think I think that that rap and R and B sometimes does. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're yeah. they're speaking to to the issues of uh, of the of the community that's listening to their music, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. The stuff that reaches the mainstream status is the most watered down, going to offend the least amount of people. And by offend, all I mean is making people think. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like sh- it's kind of like a musical like sugar. It's just yeah. it's just this kind of yeah. It has the same kind of quality of just everything's fun time good party time yeah great and yet i'm yeah. and yet i'm even afraid to have that song that we just listened to being played because i don't know if it's got enough sugar on it you know like yeah <laughs> yeah no it's 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 quite a relief to hear something that's so di- like direct and um what you talked about there's there's that conflict in the song mm. so you're telling me there's some type of musical conflict yeah and i that's the feeling i get when i, when I hear that song uh-huh. so it's um it's the feeling of the, po- the political situation yeah. that's happening right now, which is uh, conflict and um, clashing mm-hmm. and um, why why non- non- consensus about even basic things. Why haven't artists of today and who are still alive? I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing musical creation um, about this time. I know. Uh, it's interesting. I have the same feeling. Like, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Because there should be some amazing music coming out of all this. Yeah. Yeah. Are people afraid? Are people still afraid to just take a stance? Yeah. Yep. And it doesn't... By taking a stance, it doesn't mean that you're right or you're wrong or that you're you're inflexible. It's just... Mm. It's okay to, to mm. take a stance. And just say what's real for you. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. have to be contentious. Yes, it's not. A, it's not a debate. You know, yeah. there's no debate needed. Yeah, um, to just say, to just communicate where you stand. I do think another thing that I try to convey in that song is that there's a strange sense right now of very little control mm-hmm. for the individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think no matter whatever side you stand on things, there isn't a whole lot of control right now. There's mm-hmm. other people that have, I guess, some power. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I think that probably is where the uh, the emotion came from for me. And so writing a song like this, I feel like I have a little bit of control. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I can mm-hmm. I can say what I'm what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. In an art form, which is different than just 
putting a sign on your front lawn. Right. Right. Or a sticker on your on your car. Or a post on Facebook. Or a post, yeah. 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 You know, there isn't a uh there isn't a person who I'm idolizing in this yeah. in this music, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that everything you mentioned um, is about somehow projecting, like trying to get other people to know some, to know something. It's like here's a flag on my front lawn, or here's a post on Facebook. Like, look at me, and here's something I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this uh, writing a song, um, like in the way you did, was, was really for yourself, for myself. Yeah. Yes, and nobody needs to hear it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is why you, you asked to play this piece. I didn't yeah. ask you to, uh, to play it. I, 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 I also want to say that it's therapeutic. Uh-huh. Well, I felt like, I, I felt like, it, uh, there was something about the song that I wanted it, I wanted it to be heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't know. Yeah. And I, cause I, I, I enjoyed it and it just seems, it seems like kind of a jewel. Um, but the process of songwriting for mm-hmm. me is therapeutic. Uh-huh. Does it so? Uh, how does it so? It, there's some transformation that takes place yeah. in the writing of the song. You're you're expressing, and it sounds satisfying. It's satisfying. There's a. I think that it's it's not easy to find to identify the emotion all the time uh-huh. that one is feeling. Right. But I feel like I can identify it better. When I when I hear when I when I feel that I've created something for myself, mm. Mm. you're reflecting back to yourself your own emotion. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I mean, that's what it would feel like to me if I heard yeah. my own song. I'm hearing. It's almost like uh, validating my own feelings. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And if I put myself in your shoes, that is. Um, that sounds. Uh, that sounds like the, be- the the benefit for the creator, when when being creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's the satis- there's the satisfaction in just in just give- showing part of yourself. Yeah, I wonder if Bach would agree. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if Bach viewed his composition as well. I mean, I have to. I have to. Therapeutic. I have to wonder. Is if he was under so under the you know pressure the pressure of and, and he got himself into you know being a was that his only option, or is that something he, he wanted? I think to, he needed the money. He needed the money. Yeah, I mean, left to his own devices, would he would he be creating much different music? And if he had no restrictions on the notes he could use, you know, I would love would to, he would he be a mo- more of a Mozart? I'd love to know. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'd love to know. Mm. Mm. Well, Pete, I, um, it's been a great, it's been a great conversation and I want to, I want to thank you for coming and, uh, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I think this is about wraps it up. Sounds great. And I'd love to do it again sometime. All right. Okay. Signing off.